Good morning. Well, we just want to say thank you to all you parents of young children for sticking with us through this transition season. Grace and peace to you especially. I'm going to try to keep this message super short. Yes, amen. Short messages. I know. So uh, two weeks ago, I talked about healing hospitality and um, uh, Robin uh, did a message last week on that as well. I'm, this is kind of my part two to my message and part three in the overall series to healing hospitality. Um, it, the mic sounds a little ringy to me. If I don't know how to fix that, but that's just my two cents. Um, so I want to continue on uh, that series on healing hospitality. Hey, you know what the cool thing about it is if you if you preach on hospitality, all of a sudden you're going to get a lot of invitations out to lunch and dinner. I mean, it's it's a really cool thing. But um, uh, I I feel like I've preached quite a few decent messages in my life. Um, but to be honest with you, I I've never had as much feedback from a message as I had. Um, on that particular message. And uh, in, in talking with many of you, um, <clears throat> in talking with many of you, it was apparent that many people um, had, a, had a, maybe an underlying feeling of disconnectedness in their life on some level. And um, I think that's probably true uh, for for. Um, all of society, and uh, but I was I was really struck by by the nerve that that touched, and I was actually thankful to the Lord that we could maybe speak into that together, and and really go after getting rid of that feeling of disconnectedness because my belief is that Christians should feel connected one to another. And to the Lord especially. Amen? For some reason, that's something that we have to continually um, contend for, though. So, I want to actually talk to you this morning about the genesis of hospitality, or where, where that all starts. Because it would be a mistake for us to believe that, that hospitality was just a good deed that Christian people did. It's not that. It's something much greater than that. And I want to bring, bring you to a scripture. If you want to open your Bibles to the book of, of John, the Gospel of John, um, I'm going I'm to read from the first chapter. And it, it may seem like this particular passage is coming out of left field in regards to hospitality. But if you'll bear with me just a minute, I will hopefully connect the dots. So this is a familiar passage, but man, it's... We could just read this and go home. And depending on what the Holy Spirit does, maybe we will. So, Okay, so in the beginning, the Word already existed. Okay, instead of saying the Word here this morning, I'm going to say Jesus, all right? In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus. And nothing was created except through Jesus. 
Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish the light. That's incredible. That's some good news right there. Okay, I'm going to jump forward to verse 14, if you're following with me. So Jesus, the word, became human, and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses... But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, is near the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. So here's the thing. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. If you've ever wondered what God was like, look at Jesus. If you have ever wondered what God wants to do, look at the life of Jesus. Not only the death, burial, and ascension of Jesus, but the entirety of his whole life. That wasn't his life, his 33 years, wasn't just a footnote to the cross. It was all-encompassing. Everything that God means for you to understand about who he actually is, you see in the man, Jesus Christ. It says here that we saw the glory of God in Jesus. We didn't see the glory of God in Jesus as some great divine you know, massive entity, but we saw the glory of God as a human being. And what's actually happening here in the Gospel of John is God is healing our understanding of who God is. In the Gospel of John, God is actually healing our image of who God is. John is setting the record straight here because from up until this point, many people thought they understood God because of the law and the prophets. And John says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. You thought you understood God, but you haven't seen him yet. Until Jesus came, nobody has seen God according to the Gospel of John. So let's go back. I'm going to go backwards. Back to before creation happened, before the beginning of time. God existed. I know you know that. I know you believe that. But let's spend a little time thinking about what was actually happening before the creation of the world, all right? 
So there was never a time when God was alone. Where the Father was not the Father, and the Son and the Spirit were not present. Always, for all eternity, from all eternity, there was always the Father, there was always the Son, and there was always the Spirit. There was never a time when there was only God, so to speak, just some type of abstract omni-being, some great nameless, faceless force up there somewhere. But from all eternity, God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. And this means that God is fundamentally a relational being. Some of the images that we have of God is that he's faceless, that he's sitting on a throne of wrath, and he, for many of us, looks more like the Greek god Zeus with thunderbolts and lightning bolts in his hands, angry, waiting to capriciously exact his vengeance on whom he wills. But that's not what the scripture says that God is like. God has a name, he's in relationship, and he's interested in being in relationship. It's who he is. So this means that fellowship and togetherness, camaraderie and communion, have always been at the center of the being of God and always will be. God is a relational person. He's a relational God. And togetherness is what he is fundamentally about. Listen, let me put it to you this way. God is all about having a good time. He's all about having a good time with you, with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with the people that you don't like with the people that you don't agree with, with the people who don't share the same um, political affiliation as you. He is all about knowing those people and having a good time with them too because from before all of eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were sharing in a relationship of self-giving love in, in mutual delight with one another. Are you with me so far? So the shared life of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is not boring, it's not sad, and it's not lonely. There is no emptiness in this circle. There is no fear, there is no depression, and there is no anxiety in that relationship. It is the Trinitarian life of self-giving love and mutual delight, this divine life of togetherness that is the reason for all of creation. The unbounded joy of and between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is the rhyme and the reason behind the existence of the whole human race. So the thing is, 
Before time, before the cosmos existed, God existed in this holy trinity. You know, the word trinity is never used in the scripture, but we can see over and over that there's this relationship going on between this three in one. And it's in that unbridled passion, it's in this incredible joy that's happening between the Father and the Son and the Spirit that the dream of you and I even came into being in the first place. It wasn't that he was looking to, you know, create some people to be with him and to torment the rest for all eternity in eternal damnation. No, his initial dream, his initial thought was to create a race of people that looked like him that could come into the unbridled, passionate fellowship of that trinity. Paul talks about it like this. He says, you who are in Christ are seated in Christ in heavenly places. The book of Ephesians spells it out like that. It's kind of a strange thing to say that we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. But one way to look at that is that right now, not when we die and go to heaven someday, not when we're resurrected from the dead, but right now, our place is within that Trinitarian circle of beings right now. Like we have access to that unbridled joy, that unbridled fellowship, that unbridled um, just joy of being alive. You know, God is not an unhappy person. He's excited about life. He gets up in the morning and he's excited to be alive. And he invites us into that same type of mindset. Amen? So God's resounding yes to include all of us into his family is the reason for our yes to all our friends and all our families and all our, all our enemies. The, the yes that God speaks over our life, this is the yes that we're speaking into the world that we inhabit right now. This spirit of hospitality that God extended to creation, to you and I, and inviting us into his family, inviting us to his table, is the same invitation that we get to extend to the world around us. It's the genesis of that love that is the motivation in our hearts to bring people into his kingdom. So God is utterly opposed He's passionately opposed to our destruction. And he has invited, he is inviting all of us into his family. And this is, this is our privilege, church. This is our privilege that we get to partake in this setting of the table and inviting many to come and to eat with the Lord. Amen. So, have you ever witnessed a miracle? Have you ever been part of a situation where somebody uh, was prayed for and they were miraculously healed or you, you had some type of financial need or so, a friend of yours had an, a, a financial need and, and it was met by some miraculous turn of events where something supernatural that should not have happened happened in the natural? 
Have you ever experienced that? I mean, it's okay if you haven't, but I mean, I think somewhere along the line, many of us have experienced witnessing a miracle. And there's something that happens when you witness a miracle, faith arises in your heart. Courage arises in your heart. Hope arises in your heart. I was, this is an incredible thing that can happen. You can hear the testimony of a miracle from somebody else. The miracle didn't even happen to you, but you can retell that story to somebody else and faith can arise in that situation. And more miracles like that last one can happen just by virtue of you telling the story. So I believe this, not only are we witnessing a miracle, but we're carriers of a miracle. We've got this miracle of this Trinitarian life on the inside of us. We've got this miracle of this love working on the inside of us. And when we share that story with other people, miracles happen. Things change. Cities, entire regions change. Entire families get saved. You know, I was born into a family where my grandparents on one side were practicing new age. I I mean, everything from Wiccanism to any type of witchcraft that you could think of. My mom, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, there was a line of people that were practicing dark arts. Okay, and then out of nowhere, I got saved in the middle of that place. Somebody shared something with me that didn't just save me, but it saved my entire family line. So God's not just interesting in releasing a miracle in your life. He's interested in releasing this miracle into your family for generations that includes your city, your community, everyone around you. But sometimes we miss sharing the miracle. We miss because there's something that keeps us from the other person. There's some type of offense. There's some type of measurement going on in our mind that says that that person isn't worth bringing to the table. Or that person doesn't measure up to coming into the family. Or that person needs to get their life together before I can extend a hand of friendship and fellowship to that person. When that's the exact opposite of what God did for us in the very first place. He extended his hand of love and fellowship to a world that did not recognize him when he showed up. The scriptures say that Jesus came among his own and his own did not even know him. And yet, despite not being recognized, he did the very thing that maybe we wouldn't do. But he set the table for the entire cosmos to know him in intimate fellowship. So for me, there's... There's... A miracle that I'm I'm really interested in seeing. And I believe in praying for the sick. I will for the rest of my life I'm praying for the sick to be healed. For the rest of my life, I'm gonna pray for those who are walking in some type of lack that they would have provision in their 
in their life. I believe in the miraculous, the supernatural. I want all of that stuff. But there is this, there is this piece of this puzzle that I really feel like the church as a whole is missing. And before I just say too much, I just want to read this to you. I was just taking some notes and And I had this thought about what the greatest miracle looks like. So just bear with me for a second. Imagine this. Imagine knowing two people who were sworn enemies. Somewhere at some point, something happened that put two people at great odds with each other. They could not be together. They could not be together in civility. They could not be together as friends for many justifiable reasons. So there's some type of breach between these two people. And then imagine something changed. One of the two reached over to the other and sat in proximity to the other. And then the other noticed this and did not take it as an opportunity to advance an attack, but reciprocated with being near that person as well. And in the sitting with each other, the two recognized in the other themselves. They recognized the other person as a person who is lovable and loved. And then all of a sudden... Where there had once been violence, there was gentleness and kindness. Where there was once sworn enemies, there were now new friends. Where there was once all the emptiness of division, there was now the fullness that only comes in union. This is the miraculous. It may be one of the greatest miracles It may be the very miracle, the building block that the kingdom of God is made from. So last time I spoke, I was speaking of the healing of hospitality in regards to we as members of the body of Christ, making sure we take care of one another, making sure that we're friends and brothers among each other. But I want to take it a step further and I want to say that tax collectors love their own. I mean, the scriptures say that. Pagans love their own. I think it says heathens. It's nothing. Heathens take care of their own. But it's the miracle of this divine gift of life when we step over into the other's world and we become their friend when we decide to call those that have been made our enemies in some way that we extend that same hospitality to them and we bring them back into a place of fellowship The Apostle Paul called it the ministry of reconciliation. He says, this is the ministry that we've been giving, been given. We are announcing to everyone that God has reconciled the entire cosmos to himself. And 
If we're not careful, we can only think of that in terms of theory. But there's a practice to it that can actually change everything. You know, I think of all the different hot spots in the world, like like Syria. I mean, this, the civil war that's going on in Syria. And, um, I mean, it's really one of the most heartbreaking um, situations in the world right now. And, but, but it's not a unique situation. Of course, the world is filled with chaotic situations. But sometimes I can read the news and I can feel like, well, I don't have any power. I don't have any ability to help that situation. But I do believe this. I believe that God is calling us as believers in this city to make friends of our enemies. Make friends of those who have called themselves our enemies. Not even those that we have, you know, said were our enemies. I don't believe anybody in here is go walking around proclaiming people as their enemies. But, but you know what I mean. There are people in our lives that we've got offenses toward. Or there's, there's somebody that we haven't been getting along with. Or there's somebody that just rubs us the wrong direction. Or there's somebody that, that their beliefs don't line up with our beliefs. But we, just, we need the Holy Spirit to lead us into places where we can heal those breaches. I really believe that that's the call on the church today. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand up with me? Hmm. Holy Spirit, we just, we come before you right now and just, we lift up our hearts to you, Father, and we just pray right now that you would lead us, Father, into your love in a greater way, that you would lead your church into opening its heart to the lost, to the forlorn. Lord, to those that are out in the margins, Father, we pray that you would just show us how to bring the outsider in, how to make room for the weak, how to make room for those that society has called unwanted. Father, we just pray right now for an expansion in our hearts, God. Lord, we ask you to do what only the Holy Spirit can do right now. We just ask you for a, um, just to heal our minds, Father, of any wrong images of you that we have, Father. And that we would just receive you as a loving God today. I just pray for each person right now, Lord, that you would bless them with your love in a tangible way this week, and that you would just cause faith to arise, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, just a couple of things. Um, We're going to have a uh, newcomer's dinner on September the 11th. 
at our new building at 711 Presley Road. And um, this is for anyone who's new to the church, wants to find out more about who we are and where we're headed. So if you will see Amy Squires, Amy, if you'll raise your hand. We're going to have limited space, and we're going to start doing this um, on a more regular basis. But we just felt this summer with all the disconnect going on, we try to go ahead and have one here in the next couple of weeks. So check with Amy and get her, give, give her your information. Space is limited. And, um, but we'd love to talk to you and help you make some connections. Also, we have uh, healing teams today. We have people that will be glad to pray and minister to you. If you'll come up front as we close and wait right over here, we'll be glad to help you any way we can. God bless you folks. Have a great week. And that's it.